Well, uh, this is kind of new uncharted waters for me. I've never had to preach two times on Sunday, so uh, we're going to try to get all this worked out. It's going to be a great Sunday here, though. I'm student pastor Josh Cribbs, and uh, like I said, it's my pleasure to be speaking today. And uh, my prayer is that at the end of today that you would leave here refreshed, God challenging you and changing you. Amen? Please pray for my voice. Uh, came in this morning a little uh, with the sign of stuff, and uh, the first service uh, kind of preached hard, but uh, I plan to do the same today, and uh, it's just going to be an awesome day here. Got a quick question for you. How many of you have been loving our Scandalous series so far? Amen. I, I like church claps. You know, there's a difference. Church claps is like when you get them at all, you know what I'm saying? Like you hit the person next to you, and then you bring it in, but... Uh, also, uh, if you're watching online, I'm sorry, the camera makes me about 100 pounds heavier than I am, so uh, I'm not really that big, but uh, <coughs> that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And let me tell you what happened with Brother Sean. He told you that uh, he tried to uh, choke me. Really, you see, what happened was we tried to reenact the WWE move back there but uh, all that stuff wasn't weight tested for a guy my size and uh, things happen. You know what I'm saying, but uh, how many of you like to be a part of church that has fun, amen? <clears throat> I don't know about you, but uh, I, love, I love having a good time and uh, I'm just so thankful that you chose to be here. You could have been anybody, you could have been anywhere else, but you chose to be here today and I believe God's gonna reward you for that, amen? Uh, also, as you can tell, uh, I'm not too skinny, so I'm not going to preach to you about exercise. But uh, if you want to get out of here and you want to beat everybody to the lunch line, be vocally engaged. Clap your hands, say amen. You Listen, you got one thing in your favor, I'm bigger than you and I like to eat more than you, but if you help, we get there faster, amen. So, but this morning I want to share a message with you about scandalous hope. But I, I, I want to use a definition that uh, today that may make, the, may make it a little more simplistic for you and I. And simply the definition of scandalous that I want to use today is when you see something happening that should not be happening. That's a scandal. Uh, I want to help illustrate that point for you. Uh, how many of you are familiar with my buddy Larry Bird? Larry Bird, anybody in here? Raise your hand, Larry Bird. There he is. I don't know which one's more scandalous, them shorts. Uh, well, that's another story for another time, but what is so scandalous about Larry Bird? Well, I'm about to help you out. The white brother can play basketball. That's what's scandalous. That's something happening that shouldn't be happening. Amen. If y'all hadn't, uh, if you're picking up a team for basketball, let me help you out. Pick the white guy last. Pick the white guy last. Listen, Jesus, when he was dumping out basketball skills, he didn't put none on those white brothers. He just missed us and went all to my brothers that are a little darker than me. I got a little brown speck, but it still didn't help out. I'm white. But uh, guys, Larry Bird was scandalous because there really ain't no other white player been as awesome as Larry Bird, but he can play some basketball. But maybe you're like, I don't really care about basketball. I don't even know who Larry Bird was. He kind of looks like Big Bird. 
Oh. Uh, what about Steve Urkel? Anybody in here know Steve Urkel? Did I do that? How many of you love Family Matters? How many of you wish we had some good television back on TV? Amen. Some good home, uh, good family television. But let me tell you why Steve Urkel scandalous to me. Because if Steve could break it, if it could be broken, Steve broke it. If you could be annoyed by something, Steve found out what to do. And the brother could have probably went ahead and not wore a T-shirt if he'd have just pulled his pants up a little higher. I mean, he probably, when offering time came, he probably just reached back like this to get his wallet. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> the first service didn't get that one. Uh, but Steve, I remember. I remember watching Family Matters, and Steve, he was like, Laura, I've asked you a thousand times, will you go out with me? And Laura's like, no, there's not a chance. He was like, yes. She was like, what are you talking about? He was like, last week you didn't even say I had a chance. So, uh, but I remember that one episode, man, when him and Laura, they kissed, man. Like, you know, and hey, we got some, it was, it was on. And I thought to myself, no! That only happens on TV. If you're a nerd, you don't get the pretty girl. You don't get all that. But, uh, you know, I just thought to myself, I'm seeing this happening. And it shouldn't happen. So if you're a nerd, it only happens on TV or unless you invent something really cool and make a lot of money. So other than that, uh, there ain't much hope out there. But there is hope in Jesus. Amen. But maybe some of you in here today, I don't have a picture of you up here, but you're scandalous. Some of you need to look at your spouse and know you married up. Yeah, uh-huh. It shouldn't have happened. I saw something happen that shouldn't have happened. And uh, I, I'm just telling you, I know how this stuff works out. Your homeboys are talking behind your back, and they're like, what did he do? Did he see her murder somebody? Did you know, did she run somebody's dog over that she wasn't supposed to? And all these things because the truth is you shouldn't be with her. I married up. I mean, I got this beautiful looking young lady right here. Oh, that's okay. I'm making sure that was Ashley. But no, I was just joking. My beautiful wife up here, I married up. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest scandal of all happened on Easter. Right here at the harbor. I ain't done being funny yet. Because for 20 years of my life, I've been here at the harbor. And every day, I would get up early in the morning. And I would say, Jesus, I want to be on the worship team. I want to sing on the praise team. And on Easter, can I tell you that Jesus is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Because that day on Easter, I got to stand right up here on the side of this stage. And I got to be on the worship team. And I thought to myself, oh, I, you could have put me up there on a Wednesday, but you chose it to be Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. And if you don't know, I can't sing a lick. Maybe the rocks should cry out for some of us. 
But I stood back there, and you know, everybody on the riser back here, they were all so awesome because when the lead singer was singing, they wouldn't sing. Not Josh. I was like, I'm going to make it count. I, if I'm going down, I'm going down giving it everything. And I stood over there and I was like, ah. Y'all probably seen me over there. No, really, I was scared to death because I, I didn't, that, that part I had to do on Easter, I'd never done that before. But I thought to myself, I was like, that's so scandalous. People are like, how much does Josh have to pay to get up there on the stage? Because you've seen something happening that you know should not have happened. Amen. And I know the truth is, guys, we can stand here today and we can have a lot of fun about talking about things that shouldn't happen, that are happening that we should not, that should not be happening. But how many of you know the Word of God is filled with many stories of things that are had to happen that should not have happened? Like, Abraham, you, you really mean to tell me birthing a kid at 90 years old is supposed to happen? No. <laughs> Lord Jesus, please no. Please no. I can barely handle it at 20. <laughs> or maybe Moses is going to set, he's going to be able to free an entire generation, an entire nation, and you're going to have to throw him into the river. It don't make sense. And this Bible is filled with so many different things in here that just don't add up and they're scandalous in so many ways. But today I want to share a message with you entitled, Helpless, Semicolon, Not Hopeless. And I, and I want to tell you, I know some of you grammar majors, you're like, that, don't, that ain't where that's supposed to go and that ain't where that's supposed to be. But can I tell you by the end of this message, that semicolon will mean something to you. Amen. But this morning, if I could pin this message, it would be simply called, Helpless, Not Hopeless. It's a message that that God began to burn on my heart this past week. And as the more I studied it, the more I could see God was changing me inside of this message. And today I want to tell you a story about a man named Mephibosheth. I know that's probably not like on the top of your baby name list. And probably should call him both for simplicity, but for today we're going to call him by his name Mephibosheth. And this story, maybe you don't know this story. It's tucked away in 2 Samuel, and, and, I, and you don't hear about it a lot, but it's a story of hope. It's a scandalous hope that we're going to talk about today. But I want to give you a little backstory, kind of like the voice does. I want to show you what all was happening before we dive into our text in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And so if we roll back and went to 1 Samuel chapter 31, we would read about an entire nation that was going to war. And the king of this nation of Israel, his name was Saul. And Saul and his sons were fighting on a, on a hill, on a mountain called Mount Gilboa. And they were fighting the Philistines. And the Philistines began to overtake them, killed Jonathan and all of Saul's sons. They wounded King Saul, and he told his armor bearer, he said, take your sword, take my sword out and stick it in me so that I may die, so that they won't take me and make me a spectacle. But the armor bearer said, I cannot do that. 
So Saul took the sword himself and laid upon it, killing himself there. And then the armor bearer killed himself. This is where the story begins to move into what we want to talk about today. Because word got back to the palace where the caregiver was. And, and the caregiver heard that, that Saul and Jonathan, all the brothers were killed. And in the house that day was a young man named Mephibosheth, five years old to be exact. This caregiver reached down and grabbed this young man up and began to hastily make her way out of the house to leave because she knew the enemy would be coming to kill anyone in the house of Saul. And as she was leaving, she fell, dropped Mephibosheth, breaking both of his legs, crippling him forever. Maybe you're here today and somebody dropped you. Maybe you're here today and there's some things in your life that are crippled. I want to talk to you about a message entitled Helpless, Not Hopeless. And today, if, if you got your Bible, I would encourage you to flip over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. As we're going to read, this is where the story that I want to pull out today begins to impact our lives here in this modern day right now because the truth is we in and of ourselves are helpless. Amen? So let's read today. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's house named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And right here, let me, let me show you this verse. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan, semicolon, his lame in both feet. Isn't it amazing how the world won't call us by our relationship, but will call us by our condition? You see, the semicolon is used by authors for one thing. They could have put a period and ended the sentence, but they take a pause and continue on. How many of you just wish some people would have put a period and said, it's because of your relationship, not your condition? Amen? But let's flip on over, because that ain't where we want to stop at today. Verse 4, where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's at the house of Micar, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Micar, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And this right here is where the reading gets really good. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, 
For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dog like me? Let's pray over the words today. Father, Lord, we love you. God, I ask you today to take me to hide me behind the cross. God, I am near, mere nothing but just a man. I don't want people to hear me. I want them to hear you. Lord, let your word go forth and change lives. God, go forth and set the captives free. I pray today, God, that somebody that walked in here today that was helpless and maybe even thought they would hope, were hopeless, God, would leave with the hope of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen and amen. This message of scandalous hope is a message that I believe we all need to hear. I believe it's a message that if we looked at the life of Mephibosheth and we could see his condition, his condition would spell out one thing, and it's simply this, helpless. Helpless. I believe this devastating, I mean, how many of you want to, would, would say that this young man is in a helpless situation, amen? To, to say the least, he's in a dire, helpless situation. You see, I believe that this devastating condition allowed the question of why me to roll through his mind day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. The question of why me? How did I go from the palace to the pastoralist place? You see, I want to tell you a little bit about Lodabar. Lodabar, as this week I began to study Lodabar by one writer would say, it was the place of nobodies. It's the place of nobodies. How did I go from being at the top to now I'm at the bottom? How did I go from the palace to the pastoralist? Nothing grows here. Nothing happens here. And maybe some of you come in here this morning and you're in a pastoralist place. You can remember when the fire of God used to burn deep inside of your heart. You remember that when you would get up early to read the word of God, that you would go out of your way to pray for somebody. But now some things in life begin to move you from that palace, that nice relationship with the king. And now you're sitting at a place and you're like, Josh, there's nothing happening in my life. I try and I try, but nothing is happening. Maybe today you've asked the question, why me? I believe he asked the question of why me? I had a loving family, but now I'm alone and orphaned in a faraway land. This stuck out to me today, I mean this week as I began to study, because I'm a father, and I love my girls with everything in me. But I began to think, what would happen if something happened to our entire family? Now, they didn't get to, he didn't get to go to grandparent, grandma's house. He went to a place with nobody. And how did that orphan alone, I used to have a family, but I have nobody. Why me? Why me? The separation and the loss, it just would tear, I believe, every day. I was full of life. 
I was five years old. I was, I was having the time of my life. And somebody dropped me. Somebody else dropped me. Maybe today you're here and somebody dropped you. And you're asking God, why me? I didn't do this. I didn't ask to be dropped. I didn't ask to be molested. I didn't ask for people to walk out on me. I didn't ask for this divorce. Why me? Our helpless condition begins to get us to asking, why me? I was a grandson of the king, and now I'm a nobody. Why, why me? What did I do? And I believe some of you in here today, you can sympathize with Mephibosheth. You can sympathize with his condition today. Because if we're all honest, I don't care if you've got everything together, there are still things in your life that you are helpless about. They are beyond you, my friend. You would change it if you could, but you can't. So before you... Before you knock off this message and say, well, Josh, I ain't, in, I ain't in no real bad place. Maybe you need to examine your life and ask God about some things that are beyond you, things that you wish you could change, but you can't. But you step here today and you say, God, I am helpless in it. Stop trying to fix it yourself and give it to the one that can. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you're asking, why me? Why, 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 Jesus? Why am I paying tithes and I didn't get the promotion? Why me? Why? why I'm paying my tithe. I ain't even giving the offering. And you, they want me to take a pay cut? I don't understand this, Jesus. Or maybe you're hearing today and you're attending a life group. And you say, well, them pastors told me if I signed up for one of them life groups, life was going to get better. I don't know if we ever said it was going to get better. But it's a lot easier when you get to do it with people that love Jesus just like you. Amen. But I've been in this life group and you know what? My marriage is getting worse. Some of you ladies, it's easier for you to go shopping than come to church. Don't stop. Keep praying for him. You know why, my, you know why I'm in church? Because of praying mama. My daddy was stubborn. I don't know where I get it from. He wasn't going to come to church. But you know what? She got into church got back to the house and began praying over that house. Began believing God. Oh yeah, it was bad for a while. But Jesus has a way of moving people and saying, you know what? Today's a good day for you to come to know me. And I, I can remember, I don't know why I'm gonna tell this story, but this is the second service, so I'm gonna do it. I remember, I, I remember my dad he made this crazy vow to God. He said, God, if you'll let me buy this house, I'll come to church. Jesus said, okay. He gave him the house. 
Dad came to church. He was sitting about three quarters of the way back. And I remember Dad, Dad he shakes his legs a lot. I mean, like almost like you, like you getting a massage if you sit on his pew. And uh, son, I was, I was there. Man, that old, that old thing got to shaking so bad. I was like, man, I don't know what's wrong with this fellow. Is he going through DTs or what? I was just a young boy. And I remember all of a sudden something came across me and I got sick. I started burning up with a fever and throwing up right there in church. You know why? Because the enemy was trying to stop my dad. My dad was about to make a decision for Jesus Christ. What I've just come to tell you is it might seem helpless, but keep on because the next week he came back to church and he gave his heart to God. And I'm here because he's here. And you know what? So don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you here today and you're like, I've been, I've been serving on Guest Central. I've been, I've, been, I've been back there in that media booth with all them other crazy people. You know, and you know what? My kids still ain't coming to church. Why me? I didn't raise them like this. I didn't bring them to the house of God all their life for them to be acting this way. Why me? Because the truth is you're helpless, and if you could change it, you would, but you can't. I'm sorry if I yell. Maybe you're here today, and you've lost your sense of direction. You've lost your sense of purpose. Maybe you were on fire to do great things for God. But now you stand and you look and you say, I don't even want to come to church. You got to make yourself get up to walk through those doors. Keep coming. There's hope here. And I want to tell you this, because I really believe it. Don't rule this message out today because you're trying to find something real bad in your mind to feel real helpless about. There are things that are beyond you, my friend. But if you don't get anything else I say out of this sermon, get what I'm about to say. I believe it can change your life. In the why me questions of life, do not forget this. You don't have to understand his plan to trust his purpose. Amen. You don't have to understand his plan to trust his purpose. It might not make sense to you. It might not work out in your mind. You thought you should be so much further up the road by now. You thought you should be this, and, and you, thought, you thought the kids would be in church by now, and you thought the marriage would, would, would be awesome by now but it's not and you're not understanding and you don't know why keep trusting his purpose for you amen and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you why I can back that up because Jesus Christ asked the same questions as he laid in the garden that day and he said God he said father if this cup can pass from me please let it but if there ain't no other way, I'll go. If there ain't no other way, I'll go. But Jesus was saying, I might not understand your plan. I might not understand all of this, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you all the way to the cross. Amen. And, and when he was hanging on the cross that day, and those words that came out of his mouth, it says, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't understand it. But can I tell you, he forsook him so he didn't have to forsake us. Amen. Amen. But can I tell you today, maybe your condition is helpless. 
but I got good news. This is where the story just kind of turned itself upside down. This is where the story got real scandalous. This right here is where everybody kind of gets really close around the TV, and they're like, what's about to happen next? It showed up right here. Are you ready for this? Because can I tell you, in the life of Mephibosheth, he feared a knock. He feared a knock that one day that knock would be the day that he would be killed. They would take him to the house of David and they would kill him because he was left from the last kingdom. But can I tell you, there came a knock one day at the house of Ziba, I mean at the house down there in Lodabar, and he thought to himself, today is the day that I'll die. Today is the day that it's going to all end. And Ziba showed up at the door and he said, today you need you, we need you at the house of, at the house of David. And I don't know, man, maybe Ziva was a bad guy, but I can just think of it like this. You know that long walk you take to the principal's office? You, you're thinking like, you're trying to think up your story, like you, you're just believing, I mean, no, it wasn't me, I got a twin or something. No, I'm just, uh, you feel like shaggy, it wasn't you and all that other stuff. And, but can I tell you this? He got to the house of David to the palace there. You ever had something in the Bible that wrecked your life? I mean, just hit you. I love this story and I felt like God was drawing me to it, but I didn't figure, I didn't know what was scandalous about it until I got to read. And this, I love it. You got to read the Bible more than just paper, words on paper. Like, if you got to, Go, go, go sit somewhere and, and like, I'm going to read this like I'm sitting at the medieval times castle. That's just the way I do it. And I can see Mephibosheth walking up there. No, he couldn't walk. He was brought there and laid before the king. And Mephibosheth, David said Mephibosheth. And he said, at you. At your service. Fear. Scared. Alone. Nobody around. Death is imminent. Helpless. In his mind, hopeless. Y'all ready for this? This is what got this Wednesday during the office hours. I went running down the hallway when I read this. If y'all don't believe it, we probably got it on video somewhere. So when Mephibosheth, it says in King Day, or hold, let me catch it right here, verse 7. Don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Let me tell you what God turned upside down. There is hope today not because of you. There is hope today because of your father. Amen? Amen? That's where the story got scandalous. That's where it didn't make sense. That's where it turned itself upside down because the whole time I was thinking to myself, what did Mephibosheth do to deserve this? And he did not do one thing. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, but what I'm trying to tell you, when you make a covenant with Jesus Christ, and he is a father, and I want to tell you, I got two girls that I love. They are everything to me, and every morning that I get up, 
My, my heart is what can I do to make them better? And I want to tell some of you, you think the Father in heaven just sits up there and he's like, well, what can, what can, what can he do today? Can he break my car? Is the washing machine going to fail? Is my husband going to, am I going to find some text on some cell phone? And the truth is, he wants good things for you. So stop making it about you. This situation is helpless with us. But with him, everything, everything is possible. So many of us rule out the hope of the hope and the redemption of Jesus Christ because of our formalities, because of our issues, because of our sins. We are justified, I believe, in thinking that way. But grace, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You see, my friend, today it's not about us. It's not about us at all. Romans chapter 5. Verse 5 tells us this. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Verse 6. You see, just at the right time, when we were still helpless, when we were still powerless, when we were still weak in and of ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. You know what, my friend? I don't care if you walked into this house today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Today is the day. Today is the day that you can make him the Lord of your life, and today is the day that will forever change. And you know what all those helpless situations you look at? I want to tell you it's the hope of Jesus Christ that I can look at situations that are way larger than me and I can say, you know, in and of myself, I'm nothing. But with God, I am everything. And I've come to challenge some of you in here today. There are some helpless things. There are some things if you told me, me and you would just weep together. But there are some things when you begin to tell him, he understands and he can move where men can. Amen. I want to ask Pastor Adam to come to the stage. Can I tell you today, I believe under the sound of my voice there are people that you're so fearful of the king. You're fearful that he could take you out. But can I tell you, David, instead of removing Mephibosheth, he restored him. And some of you in here today, you're scared, man. You don't understand it. You don't know why things are happening in your life. And they really don't make sense. I've just come to tell you today, stop worrying. There's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. Of the Bible. Do you know today that Mephibosheth 
gained more in David than he ever lost in Saul. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? He gained the heart of God in David. He gained mercy, unmerited favor. Saul could have gave him all the things, but David gave him something so much more. David not only gave him all of the possessions, the Word of God tells us that he restored him all the land that was his and even gave him men to work it. I want to tell some of you, you need to stop worrying about what you've lost out there and remind yourself of what you gained in here. You gained Jesus Christ, amen. Much more valuable, much more valuable than things and possessions. Stop worrying about what promotion you're going to get at work and about how, who you can lift up in here with some praise. It's God. Can I tell you that David got all the land and everything, but the one thing that he got, and it's the thing that every one of us needs, David got communion at the king's table. David got communion at the king's table. What you, what you mean, Josh? Because some of us, we only want the hands of the king. We only want, it, we only want what he can do for me. Can he give me a pay raise? Can he give me a new car? Can he give me a man? Oh. But when you set at the table, you get to the heart. You get to the heart. And some of you, you don't need no more things. You need communion at the table. You need communion at the table. I tell our teenagers all the time, seek his heart and you'll get his hands. Seek his heart and you'll get his hands. Amen. When my, when my little daughter, Sister D, when my little daughter runs up to me and she just, she said, Daddy, you ain't got your hug and your kiss today. You know what it makes me do? It said, where you want to go get some ice cream, baby? You, you need a new toy? Because there's something about that love, about that communion, Jesus Christ standing here today I simply want to I want you to see this because it's very easy for us to miss it the story is scandalous because Mephibosheth had nothing to offer he was crippled, he was broken, he was a nobody. But David said, there's hope for you at my table. There is hope today. There's grace, unmerited favor. I told my wife this and I wasn't sure how I'd get it in. But you know what I love about the king's table? No matter what my disability is, they can't see it, Brother Shaw. They can't see it. Because he covers it. He covers it. They can't. When I sit at the table, I'm just like everybody else. 
by. I'm just like everybody else. And some of you, quit counting yourself out and just come sit at the table today. Sit at the table. As we close this service today, helpless, semicolon, not hopeless. The world would say, put a period right there. Turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, turn to sex. Do whatever else you need to, just numb the pain. But the author of our life, he comes and he says, oh, it's helpless, semicolon. We ain't going to stop it right there. We're just going to take a little pause. We're going to get our head together. There is hope today. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Not, not this man. This man's going to fail you. That's my wife. Not even as awesome as this guy is, he is not the hope. Even as great as this church is, this is not the hope. He, Jesus Christ, is the hope, my friend. I want to close with this story today. 1927, a United States submarine cruising and it hit a Coast Guard cutter ship. The submarine sank 100 feet to the bottom of the ocean. They sent crews to see if there was anyone alive and the first diver down came back and he said, there's no survivors, there's a huge hole. The second team came in to pull the salvage and while they were down there they began to hear something on the hull of the boat didn't know at first what it was. They began to listen. It was Morse code. Morse code told them that there were six men inside of a torpedo tube. But the next thing came. And they heard some more things knocking. Those men in that side of that tube, this was the last Morse code that was recorded. Is there hope? Please hurry. Please. As I heard that this week, God began to rise up inside of me and he said, Josh, the truth is there are people in this church that are asking, is there hope? Is there hope? Yes. Yes, my friend. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your kids. There's hope for your ministry. There's hope for your finances. There's hope for your career. I don't understand his plan, but I'm going to trust his purpose. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to ask you a question. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, Hold it very long. I just want to ask you this. Is there anyone here today to say, Pastor Josh, there are some things in my life that are helpless, but I need that hope that you're talking about today. I need the hope of Jesus Christ. I don't deserve it, but I need that hope. I need the hope for my family. I need the hope for my marriage. I need the hope for the doctor's report that I got last week. 
I need hope in believing that God's going to work all these things out. If you're here today, I'm going to pray and I'm going to count to three and I want you to move to this altar and I believe God will meet you here with a hope that can change your life today. It's a scandalous hope. It's a hope that don't make sense. But once you feel it, once you know it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. That no matter what you face, Jesus Christ is in your corner. And that's all that matters. Father, I ask you right now, touch the heart of your people. I've delivered this message, God, in the way that I felt like you've asked me to. So I pray right now, don't let people hold their self back today. People that are helpless, God, that there's things that there's beyond them. God, that they would change it if they could, but they can't. So God, I ask you today, let the hope of Jesus Christ step into their heart and give them the peace that passes all understanding. If you're here today and you need hope, I'm going to count to three.